0: Thanks for joining us today. We believe God is going to do great things in your life and we wanna hear about it. Send us your story at mystory@summitsa.com at and let us know what he's done for you through this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us or bless us with a financial gift, go to summitsa.com and give an amount that works best for you. Now enjoy the message and have a blessed day. We're in a series called Life Together. Okay, it's about connections, good or bad and how the people we connect with affect our destiny, positively or negatively. And God's got a lot to say about it. So today I'm talking about the power of who, W-H-O. Here are two scriptures we've used for our text. Psalm 68, verse 6. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. And then Psalms 92, verse 12 through 14. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted, connected in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. They who are connected shall still bear fruit in old age, they shall be fresh and flourishing. Last night, we had one of our beautiful greeters on the door. She is dolled up. I mean, she looks like she's going out to dance. It was her 90th birthday, and she is greeting, hugging, and meeting people, still flourishing in old age, not sitting around drooling on herself. <laughs> really. That's, that's just by the way. I... I love youth and all, but I love to see people, just like David said, flourish in their old age, okay? Now, we've seen that God didn't intend for anybody to succeed by themselves, and if anybody tells you they're a self-made man or a self-made woman, they're a liar. Somebody saw you, invested in you, took time with you, uh, uh, helped you in some way, none of us got where we are by ourselves, So, there's no such thing as a self-made man. So everybody is somebody today where you are today, who you are today, because of who you have chosen to connect to. So we are not solitary creatures. Every day, every day, we interact with countless numbers of people from different background cultures and thinking, and even in our Western culture, which prides itself on individuality, God's Word is still true. Genesis 2, verse 18. It is not good that man should be alone. So God commanded man in verse 28 of Genesis 1, be fruitful, multiply. You don't even have to pray about that. God said, my will is that you be fruitful, that you multiply. So whether you run a business, a church, a department uh, uh, in your business or somewhere, whatever you put your hand to, maybe you're in multi-level marketing, God said, I want you to be fruitful in life and I want you to multiply. So God wants us to grow. God wants us to be fruitful. God doesn't want you stale and dry and sour and with a bad haircut. You know, with all the killing they do in North Korea, I'm surprised Kim Jong-un's barber is still alive. That is the ugliest-looking sucker I ever saw in my life. That wasn't in my notes. I uh, I just look at it, and I shudder. So God recognized that man, Adam in this case, couldn't accomplish this, be fruitful, and multiply by himself. So God made a companion for him. Ecclesiastes. Chapter 4, verse 9, two are better than one. That's true. Genesis 6, verse 19, God told Noah, take two of every kind of living species into the ark. I wish he'd have disobeyed with armadillos. I've shot six in the last two months. They tear up my wife's flowers, which means I'm going to be upset. And I thought, Noah, why did you do that? God was declaring that connection is necessary for continuity. Even Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So nobody is who they are alone, solitary. Chuck Swindoll wrote this several years ago, The Roll Call of Anonymous Mentors. Who was the elderly woman who believed in Billy Graham and prayed for his salvation every night for 10 years? Who built a relationship with a young shoe salesman named Dwight L. Moody, who led him to Christ in a shoe store and then encouraged him to share his newfound faith with others, setting him on the road to becoming one of the most effective evangelists of the 19th century? Who mentored a young Catholic monk named Martin Luther, helping him discover the transforming message of grace which was the heart of the New Testament? Who encouraged an English preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, to persevere through a time of great criticism, depression, and slander regarding his ministry? Who saw and affirmed a young man named Charles Wesley and encouraged him to write hymns of praise long before Wesley considered himself even a writer of music? And the list goes on and on and on of great men and women and heroes of days gone by that we admire and look up to that would testify they did not get where they are nor become who they are by themselves. They owe their very essence to certain God-ordained connections. And boy, some of you need to disconnect from some and connect with others. An American medical story, the AMA, found that your relationships are more important to your physical health than the food you eat or the exercise program you're on, even the genetics you inherited. Wow. For those of you in nutrition, this just flashed into my head. It's a wild pony, but I'll ride it. With with what we've been watching in the news, I just thought it was funny. I told some of my African-American friends and board members this. A nutritionist was telling me, Rick, stay off anything white. (laughs) Anything white is bad for you. And I thought, how fitting in a day of racism. (laughs) So for all my African-American friends, uh, watch out for white. It's, (laughs) It's not good for you physically or spiritually. So that's how important relationships are. Anything in your life that affects your life in such a significant way as these connections and people, has gotta be important and it should warrant our attention. Your associations determine in large measure your destiny. Who you run with will determine how you run, the direction you run, how fast you run, and how far you run. They are people in this room this morning who live where you live, Work where you work because of certain relational connections. So, the people we associate with play a major role in our lives. I'm reminded of the story of a corporate CEO and his wife traveling by car and they stopped for gas and to get something to drink. So, while the husband went inside to get some cold drinks, the wife was actively engaged in the conversation with the service station attendant. And when the husband got back in the car and drove away, he asked his wife, what's all that talking about? And the wife said, she had dated this guy in high school. And the husband boasted, well, I bet you're glad you married a CEO, not a service station attendant. And the wife said to him, no, I was thinking if I'd have married him instead of you, he'd be a CEO and you'd be a service station attendant. <laughs> Woo. The people we choose to relate to determine who we become in life. You know, Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools is going to be destroyed. Never underestimate the power of relationships. Proverbs 27, verse 17, this is the book of wisdom written by Solomon. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. 1 Corinthians 15, Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits or good morals. If you lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas. So the people we connect with determine who we become in life. So relationships are vitally important. I'll bet some of you, at least some, could look around this room this morning and identify a person who was sent by God to bless and impact your life in some significant way, and that your life is better in some measure because your connection with that person. That's true. It's true in my own life. And having said that, we got to recognize not all connections, not all relationships, are beneficial. When God wants to bless you, He sends somebody into your life. And when the enemy wants to hurt you, curse you, or destroy you, He sends people into your life. So you and I have the responsibility to discern the role every person who comes into your life is assigned to play. And everybody you meet in life will fall into one of four categories. Category one, people who add to you. They leave you better than when they met you. They inspire you. They encourage you. Second, people who subtract from you. They drain you like a vampire sucking blood. And by the time they finish with you, your energy, your passion is gone, and you're frustrated. They always have a problem, or they always cause one. They never seem to learn anything. They are drama queens or kings. They always have a problem. How is that even possible, you wonder? And then third, there are people who multiply you. They increase you. They increase your value. They help push you up to another level in life. These people, they make you play better. Uh, When Michael Jordan would play with a group of men, it raised the level of their play. They actually played better because he was in the mix. And there are people in companies and businesses and churches and ministries, when that person shows up, everybody's game goes up. That's the kind of people you want around you right? You don't want some thumb-sucking pity party depression around you. You want something that's going to lift you. And then fourth, there are people who divide you. These are called tail-bearers. Scripture says a tail-bearer separates the best of friends. Their very nature and personality brings division. In your life, in an office, on a team, or in a business, they always bring or create division. So I've learned very early in relationships, I've got a responsibility and so do you to assign one of these four types of people to everybody I meet. That alone ought to tell you immediately how close you're going to let some people come into your life. Now, of course, be friendly, be courteous, be polite with everybody, but be selective about who you're going to allow in close to influence you. A couple of years ago, I read a book called The Power of Who, and the chapter said, anybody or somebody. Almost everybody would agree we all need friends, but what kind of friends? Will anybody do, the author says, or do I need a somebody? Remember the Beatles song, help? I need somebody. The next line said, not just anybody. Don't egg me on. I'll sing it. Okay. Let me get, no, no, that's very nice. I ain't connecting with you this morning. All right. Let me give you a few reasons you don't want to go to just anybody to get the help you need. Number one, anybody doesn't really care about your dream, so you're wasting your time. Secondly, anybody isn't reliable. They usually give advice that's convenient and helpful for them rather than useful to you. And third, anybody doesn't know you personally, so they're too busy with their own agenda to stop and help you. So don't ask anybody. Look for the special somebody. Number one, somebody really does care about you and your dream and has some power and willingness to help you. Somebody is reliable. They're willing to take time and effort to mentor, guide, and assist you in any way they can. And third, somebody knows you personally, likes you, and will make the time to help you. You know, earthquakes, fires, hurricanes, and tornadoes get more publicity than any other national disasters. But the fact is, termites cause more damage in the earth every year than all of these disasters combined. But termites don't get publicity because they just take a little bite at a time. Bad relationships do that as well. Just little bites at a time. Some relationships should be completely avoided, disconnected. They suck the very life out of you. They dull your vision. They blur your focus. They pull you back. They hinder you. They decimate your life. These are the toxic relationships of life. You know, if you got gangrene in your foot, and you refuse to allow doctors to remove it, it'll spread to your leg and finally to the vital organs of your body and kill you, as we used to say in the South, graveyard dead. I don't know why they added graveyard, but I guess it's to make death really final. And likewise, if you refuse to cut off a toxic relationship and let it go, it will infect you and spread until you die. And if you don't have the courage to cut off what will not heal in your life, you're going to end up losing a lot more. Statistics say women in abusive and battered relationships will leave eight times before they finally separate and usually end up murdered. They cannot break away from that toxic, abusive relationship. That's sad that's really really sad and they end up losing years of their life and in some cases their life that's terrible you are not you are not authorized by God to stay in an abusive situation don't you let any religious person tell you well you just got to hang in there no you don't no 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 not when somebody's beating you up or battering you you cut your losses early not later bad doesn't get better longer it gets worse that's right. I'm serious. You're a, If you're in an abusive relationship dating, my God, what are you thinking about? You sure aren't going to get married, are you? Well, he'll get better. No, he'll get worse. Or she. I don't want to leave the girls out. We got plenty of bad women too. Okay. I'm going to do a series one day on the bad women of the Bible. I, I, they are there. Oh, man, they are there. Matthew 5, verse 29, Jesus speaking. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better to enter heaven maimed than to, dest- than to be destroyed in hell with the whole of your body. So learn to cut off toxic relationships. So your life and mine is a series through our lifetime of connections and disconnections. Okay, Rick, but what about relationships we are forced to have, like co-workers, employers? Or even family and relatives. Well, let's take a look at family for a moment. The only family you chose for yourself is your wife or husband. I didn't choose my cousin. I didn't choose my uncle. I didn't even choose my father and mother. And neither did you. The Bible says that only husband and wife become one flesh in marriage. I ain't one flesh with my mother-in-law or father-in-law or uncle So, that relationship, I'm obligated to fight and pray and struggle to preserve and protect. Other relationships in your family, you can love from a distance, like 1,500 miles. (laughs) But you don't have to allow them to influence you. In Matthew 12, verse 46, they came to Jesus and said, "'Your mother and brothers and sisters, the whole family are calling from you.'" And Jesus said, "'Who are my mother, brothers and sisters?' They are the ones who hear my word and obey it. Now, did Jesus love his mother? Well, of course he did. But when, it, when family relations and relatives are not going the same direction, you don't stick with them just trying to fit in and be agreeable. You can love them, be polite, be respectful. But don't abandon your vision, your cause, your goals for them. You're not commanded to. Learn to master two skills. Number one, The art of creating limited associations. Some people you cannot completely avoid. Again, co-workers, employer, students around you in school, the teacher, or a live-in relative you might have in your home. And while you can't totally avoid them, you can control the influence they have in your life. How? By controlling the amount of time you spend with them. You can give them a few minutes, not a few hours. Right? Absolutely. And second, learn the art of expanded associations. Learn to identify people who add value to your life. Arrange your life in such a way you're able to spend more time with these kind of people. You can deliberately create an environment where you're around the people who add value to you. And even a small amount of time spent with the right person can make a huge difference in your life. So a couple of questions to ask yourself. Number one, who am I spending the majority of my time with? Think about people who touch your life on a daily basis. Look at all the phone numbers that appear often on your phone bill. Ask yourself, what kind of people are they? What are their goals? What are their values in life? What is their worldview? What is their attitude towards life? I was reading this past week an article on the founder of eHarmony. Any of you have been on eHarmony? You see it on TV uh, about dating and hookups and all. He's a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. And he has a list of—it's not just swiping right for looking for a hot body— There are 29 different characteristics, attitudes, and values that you have to to, to sign up for. And it was interesting that he said if people leave off five or more, he's never seen it ever go anywhere. So you've got to look a lot deeper than just measurements or hotness if it's going to be a good relationship. I'm very serious about it. I'm just as normal a man as you are a woman or a man exactly. I have eyes. I can see. I have feelings and passions. I have, I have sin in my members just like you do. I'm filled with God's Holy Spirit and redeemed. So I get to make choices but I ain't blind. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking about how far to take this but I'm trying to say <laughs> you cannot make a choice based on hot and here's what happens. If you hook up on the hot, you're going to find out hot cools real fast, faster than anybody. It ain't like Hollywood movies. That, then, then you better have other things in common, and you better have a good friendship, because this is going to be your partner for life, and you're going to raise children together. And I'm thinking, you, gotta, you, gotta, you better, if two people are ideologically separated in their thinking, Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together if they're not agreed? See, if you're a racist and a bigot, we're not going to walk far together with me. You you have to find you another racist bigot. I can't marry you if you hold that view. If you think all Democrats are right or all Republicans are right or wrong or wrong, whatever you go, we ain't going to be able to walk together. There's got to be good and truth and bad and truth in all of them. And you got to be able to say, yeah, that's wrong. I don't care what that party is, whether I'm white, black, Hispanic, or a minority. you got to be able to think. Don't let some group do your thinking for you. Don't give your brain away. God gave you a wonderful gift, the power to think, the power to choose. And you get to make choices every single day. So find out, where's this person going with his life? I'm dating this guy. He got a job. Has he got a career? Does he have any future? Is is this guy going to be able to sustain me? I don't mind working now, but I don't want to work all my life, and I want to be able to raise children. Has he got a future, or has he just got a hot body? Girls, ask the guy. What's your vision? What you goal? Where are you going in the next 5 to 10 years? What are your plans? Because that's going to be your future. Number two, what is this person's role in my life? See, what did God send them in my life to do? Or what did the enemy send them into my life to do? Is it going to be a divine assignment? Or is it going to be a satanic distraction to pull me off course? So it's important to discern the role every person is assigned to play in your life. Uh, when you drive your car up to a gas pump, that gas pump is not going to clean your wheels. It's there to fill your tank. The role of the gas pump is to put gasoline in your car. Would we all agree on that? So put the gas in the tank, move on. Learn. Like that. Learn to discern the role of people in your life. Some people are there to mentor you, and you'll mess up that relationship if you think that mentor is going to be your pal. That's not their assignment, and they're not going to be your phone buddy, and they're not going to be 24 7 at your discretion. That's not their role. You're going to mess it up trying to make a mentor a pal. A mentor is not somebody who wants to be your pal or run around with you. So keep it that way and learn what you must from them. Some people will help you achieve your career goal, your business goals, but you can't depend on them to develop you spiritually. Go to your hairdresser and get the best technology for color and style and health of the hair and the follicles, but I'm not getting my spiritual or financial advice from her right? What's happened here? That's not her assignment in my life. Help me with my failing No, I'm going to help you with your hair follicles and the color. (laughs) I ain't coming to you for help. You need got money problems. I'm not going to talk to somebody that's got money problems to get their input. I want to talk to somebody with proven achievement and ability handling finances, right? Okay. I mean, I just thought that's easy. I believe I could be on dope and I could get that. I could figure that out. Some of you super spiritual charismatics, you feel like you got to go into the, the Holy Ghost zone to get, to get a word. And I'm thinking, this is easy. This is easy. So learn what role people are designed to play in your life. Your, your fitness instructor can help you develop your core, uh, get rid of some fat, tone up some muscle, keep you from hurting yourself. But I'm not going there to get spiritual advice. You know, my boyfriend's beating me, and I don't know what to do. Meanwhile, your trainer's checking you out to see what he can get away with. <laughs> so I'm not going in there to get any of that advice. If I hire a lawyer in a defense case or to prosecute, I'm not hiring a lawyer to help me spiritually. I know God's Word. I'm hiring Him to know the law. I'm hiring my dentist to know dentistry, to give me the best treatment possible for my teeth. I'm not getting spiritual counseling from them. Some of you think it has to be a Christian attorney. Well, it's nice if you happen to have one, but I would prefer a good one. I want the meanest sucker with the winningest record to represent me. I'm not hiring him to love Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm hiring him to protect me. I'm hiring a mechanic to do good work on my car. Is he a Christian? Is he any good? That's the question. Christians are loony. Oh, look, he has a fish emblem in the yellow pages. <laughs> yeah, and he may have four lawsuits for malpractice. That doesn't mean anything. Proven achievement. That's what. So answer the question, who's in my life and what role are they playing? Number three, what effect are they having on me? Listen, the fact somebody calls you their friend doesn't mean they're really your friend. Your Facebook friends are not your friends. Not really. You know, there are a lot of people with you who are not for you. And there are a lot of people with you who are there for what they get from you. And when they don't get it anymore, then they leave you. Same for a church. It happens all the time. When David was to be king, who came to him? He's in a cave. The distressed, the discontented, and those in debt. Wow. Wow. They all came to David to get something from David. They didn't come to David to help David. They originally came for something for themselves. When you become successful, whether you're in sports, business, or ministry, success does weird things. It brings the groupies around, people who want a piece of the action to eat the crumbs off the table, to get connections. The people hanging out with Justin Beaver don't care about Justin Beaver at all. They care about, I got access to the girls, I got access to the booze, I got access to all the excitement, but I could care less if he dies of an overdose. And if he does, I move on to somebody else. Now, I just, you just need, this is life, you just need to know it. Everybody with you is not going to be with you when you need them, or when you take a fall. They're not going to be there for you. So you just need to understand that. And I hope you're smart enough to know if you're a wealthy person in here, women or men, Everybody being your friend ain't really your friend. Let's see, was it Oprah Winfrey that said, "You know, I'm not looking for somebody that'll ride with me in the limousine. I'm looking for somebody that'll ride with me on the bus when I don't have a limousine." Who's that going to be? Well, that's important to know. Okay, so I'm not ever deluded by that. People, people want a platform. They want to hustle their CDs or get their music out there, or they want exposure to a bigger crowd. The motive. It's the motive of the heart. So don't be gullible. Don't be gullible. Be sober-minded. So where are these people leading me? How are they impacting my thinking? What have they got me saying or reading or watching? And what I have begun to accommodate in my life, what is it I'm accommodating because this person's in my life? How are they affecting my spiritual life? How are they affecting my performance and my productivity? What am I becoming as a result of these connections? And once you've answered all those, here's the fourth question. Is this acceptable to me? And if your answer is no, then you need to do something about that relationship. Learn to tell certain people enough. And if they don't stop, remove yourself from them. You know, people keep coming to you and poisoning you and dumping on you because you keep allowing them to do it. So if this person is not acceptable to me, I either must disconnect or redefine the relationship. Understand the concept of an inner circle. Jesus had an inner circle, and it wasn't made up of the richest or most famous or most powerful people. He had different levels of access to His life. He had John the Beloved, one. He had the three, Peter, James, and John. He had the 12. He had the 70. He had the 120, and He had the 500. Everybody did not have equal access to Jesus' life. You can't give everybody equal access. It isn't possible. You can love be nice and relation with people, but everybody doesn't have equal access. That is ridiculous. It's not humanly possible. So he spent more time with the 3 than the 12, which means you get to decide who qualifies to come into your inner circle. Now let's let's move in for the landing. How do you decide? How do you decide who qualifies? To be on your inner circle? Well, if you're a believer, number one, people committed to God's Word. People who hold a biblical worldview. People who determine their values and lifestyle by Scripture, not by culture. This culture will sanction anything, but doesn't change God's Word. It doesn't change it at all. Otherwise, you're going to have an unequal yoke, and they'll pull you in a direction that God hasn't chosen. We had years ago in our old building a Christian man who went into business with two other guys who were not Christians, and he asked me about it, and I said, I wouldn't do it. I sa- he said, they're not Christians, but they have good character. I said, I'm telling you, when you have conflict, you're going to base your decision based on a scriptural truth of integrity and value, and they don't have that, and they're not. And sure enough, they took the business away from him in a year and put him out in the cold. See, if you call this friend with a problem in your marriage, your life, your business, or children, and they don't come back in some way with God's word to you, you better reevaluate that relationship. See, I got lots of friends. They ain't all believers, and they're different levels of believers and commitment. But when I have a problem, I want a scriptural solution. And if you're a believer and somebody wants help or counseling, and they won't receive scriptural solutions, disconnect. You can't help them. You can't help them. All I can give you is what God says to do to bring peace and joy and righteousness. And if you're not willing to do it, how can I help you? I can't help you. People, uh, people who improve and empower you, people who bring out the best in you, that's another category of people. They add to you. They leave you better every time they come in contact with you. These should be people, listen, not intimidated by your success, your position, or your power, because a lot of people are. You're not going to get a good evaluation from people you pay. If preachers are surrounded in their success with a whole bunch of people, and they're in a controversy or there's something occurs, how they respond to it, they're going to ask, uh, well, what do you guys think? Well, the guys that are being paid are going to go, you're the greatest, man. Go, yeah, yeah, this is good. But it may not be what I need to hear. So I find you're going to get your best assessment from people that don't owe you anything, that you don't pay, but everybody's worried about their job, so they're not going to tell you what you, you're a jerk, this is dumb, stop it. Really? I talked to two guys that have two of the biggest ministries, one in another nation and one in this nation, and I said to them, we were walking along with a cappuccino, and this was about two years ago, I said, have you got anybody not sucking up to you that can talk to you? Because everybody wants your platform or TV exposure or the connection for their own selfish gain, and they're not going to tell you perhaps what you need to hear. A lot of guys don't want to walk around me. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, that's a fact. Everybody, if we suddenly exploded and we had 20,000 people and we had to get bigger buildings and bigger whatever, whatever, you don't think we'd have a bunch of suck-ups around too? You think everybody would tell me what I ought to hear? No, they would not. But I want to to have some people who will just say, okay, that hurts, but uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Some of you need a friend who's not afraid to wound you, but loves you. You need to hear it. Number three, people going where you want to go. How are you going to get, if you get on a plane going to Atlanta and you want to go to Detroit, how are you going to get there? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard hang out with people going where you want to go everybody in this church is not going the same place hope you know that oh we go into heaven if you love Jesus I'm aware of that but how about in life where are you going you know I want to connect with people that want to go reasonably where we want to go you know that's normal I've heard people you've heard this too If some of you old timers have heard it people say well I know my church is dead and I know I know this and I know that but I believe God put me there to be a light ever heard that God put me there to be a light and a testimony. And here's what I would say to you. Who's driving the bus? Because when that bus driver opens the door or the plane disembarks, you can let your light shine till you give me third degrees on my back. But when you get off, you're getting off where I'm driving. Not where you're shining, where I'm flying. That's where you're going to get off. So enough of that nonsense. Disconnect. I've done that many times with the groups even in this city, and I disconnected, and I said, you're not going anywhere. You guys are wasting money and wasting time. This is too small. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. I don't hate anybody, don't dislike anybody, but it's a waste of my time I'm not going. Silly stuff. Why would I go to a racial reconciliation meeting for people that ain't recon- racially reconciled? That's a waste of time. Find me somebody that'll do it, that's doing it, good. Amen. Amen. Okay, put this on TV. We had a guy here years ago, had over 10,000 in his church. I won't use his name. He's dead now. And he asked me to join him for a racial reconciliation rally. I said, why? I said, you don't have one cracker in your church. You've had me there three times. You do not have one. I said, look around. I don't need reconciliation. You do. Because it's not what you're preaching. It's what's in you. It's still in you. So it's not what you preach. It's who you are, what you are. If I preach on measles and I got mumps, you're leaving here infected with mumps, not measles. Okay, I hope I'm stirring you to think a little bit. So examine Examine your own inner circle. Who's there? If you don't know, you're in trouble because when God wants to bless you, He puts people in your way. Everybody needs that one connection to help you make it to the next level in life. Laban needed a Jacob. Ruth needed a Naomi. Joseph needed a butler. Pharaoh needed a Joseph. Elisha needed an Elijah. Mordecai needed an Esther. The Ethiopian eunuch needed a Philip. The Philippian jailer needed a Paul. And Paul needed a Barnabas. And you need somebody. You have somebody today, and somebody has you. And the way you treat those God-ordained connections will decide whether they stay or whether they leave. So nurture and develop good God-ordained connection. Amen. Thanks for joining us today, and may God richly bless you. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit SummitSA.com.